You ready to do this? Yep. Shall I hit the button? Welcome to Go Additive, where your hosts combine their real-world professional 3D printing experience to deliver valuable opinions that will help you peer behind the curtain of the additive industry. And now, Go Engineer's own Tyler Reed and Tate Brown. I just get happier and happier with that intro. Intro. It's growing on me. Yeah. It puts me in a good mood. It's put me in a good mood since the very beginning. Man, since the very beginning. This is episode 19. Ooh, I think it is. So we've been around for a second now at this point. Who would have ever thought? Well, they can't fire us from the show. Because we created it. We are the show. We are. We are the show. <laughs> Who if do you, you think you are? I am. So starting with <laughs> the lost episodes. That Tell me us... you've seen that. Who do you think I am? <laughs> the guy who says that, that professional bowler. Uh, what are we talking I about? I think he was trying. <laughs> this is a real thing. What is it? <laughs> oh, my gosh. This is. Okay. So if you didn't know, professional bowling is an actual thing. Oh, I'm well aware. Okay, so there's this dude. Um, let's see. Who do you think I am? Who do you think you are? <laughs> he he wins the championship. Uh-huh. Whatever, the pennant. Okay. And as he wins it, he's just flipping out. Who do you think you are? I am. Yeah. And it's I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to find this thing. It is hilarious. I wish Do you can, have Can a- you uh can you put this this audio in? No. Okay, well, I'm going to crank it up. Okay. Hopefully, you'll be able to hear it. And if not, everyone can play to me later. Um, I can put it in later. Here we go. Strike to flame it. <laughs> oh, I know it's quiet, but this guy, his name's Pete Weber. There we go. I, I, I Do you have a favorite uh, professional, professional bowler? bowler? Well, it's Pete Weber now. Mine's... Oh. And welcome, everybody. Sorry, I don't want to... It's actually... It was actually louder the second time. My favorite bowler is Belmo. Belmo? Belmo. He's an Australian two-handed bowler. Oh, I know cuz you uh embody his traits when you bowl. I've at our company bowling league, <laughs> Tyler's a two-handed bowler. It's true. I I've I've seen you do it. Yep. Two hands because two two, hands. Of, two of my two of my arms are the strength of one of yours. Okay. Yeah. All right. You you work out. So it, today, this is uh, <laughs> this topic today. It's gonna make it probably sound like we've run out of things to talk about. <laughs> but we just had a ball talking about this the other day. We we just brought it up. I don't. How do we even find these things? Was it a LinkedIn article? Um, I think you brought it up. I, so. I and I think I saw it on LinkedIn. Something. Anyway, it's three D printed food. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> so there's this picture of a, a 3D printer and a big old slab of salmon. 
on the print bed. And I'm like, there's no way. Because we can print on the Polyjet system, we can print something that looks exactly like a fillet of salmon. At one point, that was one of Stratasys uh, demo kits was a sushi set. And the... <laughs> Too many people tried to eat them? Uh, I don't think so, because once it gets close enough to your face to actually eat, you're th you think, okay, well, that's not real. And also, if you touched it, and most people don't let strangers feed them sushi, so it didn't really work out that way. <laughs> Two things you shouldn't trust. Strange sushi... Just, and strangers. Yeah, just anybody feeding you food probably is not a good thing. I don't know. I I trust certain people. This could be one of those things they do on like Dateline or what if, would you do? Have you seen? If I you approached you with a fork with food on it <laughs> well, and tried I know to, you. Try to I know put you, it in your mouth. And I would trust you even less because of that. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Most people that you trust, you, I don't know. Anyway, so... The 3D-printed salmon. <laughs> yeah, 3D-printed salmon. So this... Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure this is the old bait-and-switch, okay? Because, and we're going to talk about bioprinting a little bit, which I know absolutely nothing about. You probably know a little bit. I've seen it. I understand it to some extent. I'm hoping someone out there in the listenership of the show is knowledgeable on this subject. I hope not, because it will be one of those topics where someone who actually knows about this will be listening and just internally churning and... That's what we want. ...festering anger at just these guys. Oh, you need to say this. Oh, th th you're well, wrong. You're if wrong. they If they have those types of opinions, we can bring them on as a guest, as an expert in the field, and they can be our first guest. Uh, guest. Nah. Tyler yeah. really doesn't want guests on this show. I do. <laughs> Should we have this debate real quick? Yeah. Why do you want guests? I don't want guests to try and grow the show. I think guests bring an added dimension, and I think they can keep us on our toes. Uh, when I listen to other shows, radio shows, I listen. Yeah, I'm old school. I listen to some radio talk shows and stuff. I love when they have certain guests on. Hmm. It it brings a a new viewpoint. I think people by now, 19 episodes in, they probably have at least an idea of the dynamic of you and I. When you add a third person every once in a while, I think it can change the dynamic for good or for worse. <clears throat> and eventually if we do have enough guests, we're going to know which ones we uh, that act as a catalyst for us yeah to be better well my experience so far and we've seen this is some guests have agendas <laughs> yeah especially in this industry yeah they want to come on and they want to self promote or promote some sort of idea and uh i don't know i just don't i'm not super receptive to that I, I'm in agreement with you totally, but I think we have some control over that. And yeah, by, we can by have, telling them, no, all of them. <laughs> no. And I think how many shows do you listen to, especially podcasts where it is guest related most of the time? 
How many of those do they have the guts to actually be like, hey, listen, like, <laughs> we we don't want to talk about that. We want to talk yeah. about this, this, or that. There is one particular podcast that I listen to where they don't necessarily do that. They will challenge their guests, and you can tell, oh, these guys do not agree with them. And then after the guest leaves, they'll come on and do a recap mm-hmm. and uh, basically damage control in a lot of ways. But also I'm wondering, okay, they come in afterwards and have that discussion and they basically uh, take a, they just dump on the guest. And I wonder why did they even have the guest in the first place? Yeah. Well, I think, I think people are optimistic like me right now versus you. (laughs) Not optimistic at all. I came in this morning thinking I'm going to be the optimist today. (laughs) No, you didn't. I absolutely did. But now you're not. How does well, it feel? <laughs> you're doing this to me. You're you're pushing me down. I am absolutely not. All I'm <laughs> saying is I'm optimistic, and this could be to a fault right now that we could have a guest on, and that we could do some grooming of sorts before that. Ah, that's not the right word, but really have a brief discussion about our expectations. In terms of, uh, here, look, this is what our show is about. Yeah. This is what it's not about. We're not, we already have, we're working against, we're up against it a little bit in that we work for Go Engineer. Mm-hmm. And the truth be told, we both really like Go Engineer. Mm-hmm. And we tend to like the products. Mm-hmm. And when we don't, we've pushed them out. Mm-hmm. That's been the pattern that I've seen over the last few years. And I think people can relate with that. And I think people have trust issues as it is. So it's kind of, that's what we're working against is people having trust issues. We're working against being informative about additive manufacturing while at the same time being truthful about the products we offer and work with. Really, dude? You didn't silence your phone? That's not my phone. It's wow. So I will admit, I will admit, there are a ton of niche topics and niche applications in this space where we could benefit from. Can we um, edit that out? No. <laughs> no. We're going to shame you. Great. We're going to shame you. That was Jeb. That was a Jeb <laughs> move. Total Jeb move. Um, there are... Absolutely scenarios where we could benefit from a more expert voice on the topic. So I'll give you that. This is you trying to be optimistic. If if you come at me with a guest suggestion, <laughs> I'm a not going to automatically shoot it effort. down. I'm not going to automatically shoot it down. Tyler just really wants this to be his show. No. He can't wait for the day that I'm gone. <laughs> uh, I've, I've actually thought about that. Oh, my gosh. The show would have to end. It would have to end. People would people would listen to you. Mm-hmm. I listen to you every day. Mm-hmm. As hard as it is sometimes. You get paid to. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I have side bonuses you don't know about. <laughs> All right. So what do you know about bioprinting? I know, well, like I said, very, very little. Yeah, I don't know a lot about bioprinting. That's Bio- essentially what this food stuff is. Well, yeah. when we're talking meats. Yeah. Well, bioprinting would be the f- stock materials are 
organic materials, right? So things like in the most basic form, fats, proteins, and carbohydrates, the basic macro macronutrients of food, right? I guess. <clears throat> yes. Or I've actually seen where the basic ingredients are muscle, fat, and blood. Oh my gosh. And you're talking 3D printing. Yeah. Basically syringes full of this stuff. It's disgusting. Do yourself a favor. Google 3D printed meat. <laughs> it looks like a lasagna. First, to me, let's talk about the looks. Yeah. Let's talk about the looks. Lasagna. Well, I think the this look is, is supposed important. to be a steak. The whole idea of fake meat is a lot of it is the look of it. Do you agree with that? The look and the texture and the taste. For wide adoption purposes, yeah. absolutely. It's got to look real. Or yeah. it's got to resemble. And this is what kind of boggles my mind. It's all about superficial things where food is a fuel for our bodies, right? It's all about food is nutrition. If it's not nutrition, what is it? Mental health. No. Dude, why do you think that there are five-star dining experiences? Why do you think people pay big money to have little tiny portions of food brought to them that in a spectacle of color and well, it's an presentation. I wouldn't call that a mental health issue. But it all revolves around food. Don't tell me food. Well, okay, there's two trains of thought, right? It's a luxury. You eat to live or you live to eat. You have to fall somewhere in well, and some live to eat. Aspect. We'll just, oh, all right. This is going to, okay, keep going. I'll collect my thoughts. Okay. So 3D printed food, you have f like fake, quote unquote, fake food, and then you have real food. So I've seen things like a pancake printer, for example, chocolate printer. That's real food, and they're just using the printer to create shapes, which, honestly, do what you want to do. It's a syringe full of pancake mix that's yeah. pumping it out in a circle. Yeah, do what you want to do. I don't care about that. Really? I would never... But don't call it 3D printing. No, it is 3D printing. Okay. Well, right. actually, is it... Pancake is one layer. Hey, you, you had the right approach there of optimism initially, <laughs> and then boom. Yeah, actually, a pancake printer is one layer. What's 3D about that? Well, it does have a Z direction, but yeah, it just it's takes an XY one. plotter. Yeah, that's not print. That's not 3D printing. Arguments to be made here. Mm. But chocolate, okay, you can print a chocolate shape. I get it, but uh, it seems like a lot of effort to make um, a, a, a benchy in chocolate. Yeah, and you have whole dining experiences being developed around this idea of a 3D printed desserts, 3D printed dining experience. And uh, I think it's a questionable business plan. Maybe it'll work, maybe it won't. Well, specifically with meats, there's a few reasons why, and this is weird. I feel like, have you ever, Arnold Schwarzenegger was in all these weird old movies, like Total Recall and like, Terminator, they're they're kind of like these futuristic Yeah, it's movies. called science fiction. Yeah. Okay, thanks. <laughs> I, I, I don't know why all Arnold Schwarzenegger movies, though, they gave me this vibe of like the future is scary. Okay. 
this gives me that vibe. When I see a big old piece of salmon getting printed out, yeah, it it's like, okay, you know, I've seen enough of old Arnold Schwarzenegger movies to see that a lot of this stuff has actually come to pass. So I see this and I'm like, maybe the future is not that far off for 3D printed meats. Do and you, it's a little scary because here pretty soon that that might be what we're eating. Ooh, not me. <laughs> Do you have this article up? What are the main ingredients of this quote unquote salmon? Because it's it's a it's a substitute. Yeah. This Most, particular one is a substitute. So let well, do you want to bookmark what we you were just about to say or finish your thought? Proceed. Okay, so I'm going to go off on a slight tangent, so keep your finger on the thought that you just had. Okay. There's a company that was formerly known as Legendary Vish. Okay. Vish with a V, and their goal was to print 3D printed fish from plants. Okay. To be eaten raw, like your sashimi or sushi. And basically, it would contain enough protein to be a viable alternative to your standard salmon. Questionable. They've also proposed they'd like to do tuna. Well, I didn't do a ton of research, but enough to find out that they've changed their name. They're known as another company right now, and as soon as I can think of it, I'll I'll put it up there. But... What I have noticed, there were all these 3D printed food articles, 2019, 2020, and it's basically died. This year, there's no new news. All these companies that in in these articles sounded like they were on the verge of bringing these to market are now gone or changing their names. and, And maybe it's just a big misunderstanding, but from where I sit, that looks like a familiar site that we see in 3D printing is, hey, we're going to offer this new technology. It's going to be the best ever. And it either never makes it or it does. And it's like marginally better or worse than what's already out there. So I don't know specifically about this scenario, but I do know that oftentimes entrepreneurs will latch on to printing in a way that's very gimmicky. So not just entrepreneurs. Well, I'm just talking about for new businesses launching new products, incorporate 3D printing in a way that's gimmicky and adds no value. Right? If you are taking a quote unquote filament based printing technology and creating fake meats, your resolution is not great, right? The speed, not great. What is 3D printing adding to that product? It's just, it gets it in the news. It's leveraging the hype of 3D printing. It's not a value add to the product in any way. Now, if somehow you could take a a print head, a high resolution print head and drop different biomaterials strategically and build up like an actual replica of a Wagyu steak, like a well-marbled steak, then yeah, 
3D printing at that point has some some value beyond just molding these powdered proteins into shapes that are recognizable by people to uh, convince their brains that they're edible. So just I want to I want to really dig here because I know the way you feel about this. But prior to that, their new brand, Legendary Vish, is now known as Revo Foods. Okay. So if you're interested in looking at this plant-based seafood, uh, look at RevoFoods.com. And I don't want to sound like I'm I'm is talking some poop on their product. I just see a rebranding and it makes me skeptical. Sometimes. Initially. Yeah, sometimes. Is Revo meat associated? Can't tell me what it makes me feel. Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> sometimes. Is Revo meat associated with this company? Because Revo meat is one of the uh, end results that I've seen. Are you sure it's not Nova meat? Oh, Nova meat. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Nova meat. There's all these great names out there for these meat alternatives. But, okay, so back to the what you were talking about. <laughs> It's got to resemble something that makes you want to eat it or think it's edible. You have stated that you will not partake of these meat alternatives. That's, for that's everyone, <laughs> For everyone's uh, cure, to satisfy your curiosity, both Tyler and I consume meat and meat products. So neither of us are vegetarian or vegan and... I said, he asked me if I'd try it. I said, sure. The fish is a little gross. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. You you think about fish shouldn't taste fishy, right? But yeah. that's kind of like the only indicator that what you're eating is a fish. Yeah. And to think of a plant-based yeah. like slab of meat that has purposely been yeah. like had this fishiness added to it, I it just seems so wrong. I can't imagine anyone purposely making a product and and then thinking oh but we got to make it smell and taste like fish this has got to be fishier all i so all i could think is okay they they shot for beef it came out fishy so they just went with fish <laughs> i do we talked about this yesterday but i do think that printing fish meat to appear like fish especially like an ahi tuna where it's a pretty consistent flesh. Yeah. I believe would be easier than printing a steak that's supposed to look like a steak. <clears throat> and we're just purely talking appearance right now. We're not talking the, yeah. the genetic makeup of this stuff or the, the the chemical makeup or any of that. Tyler talked about <laughs> this beef steak looks like lasagna, mm -hmm. one of them. Mm -hmm. The fish from what I can tell, looks like fish. Here's why I worry about from what I've Googled and, and done research-wise. A lot of the pictures I really suspect, because you're either on one end of the spectrum where it looks like lasagna, like yeah. not like a steak at all, yeah, or it literally looks like they took a real cut of meat, yeah. stuck it on a print bed, and then wrote an article or a blog post about this new upcoming technology, and it's like... It seems very clickbaity, and it makes me mistrust. Why? That never happens in our industry. <laughs> yeah. There's, 
There's never articles written about pure projections that have no path to reality. It It's fine if they're speculative, mm-hmm. but when you include a picture yeah. of this, like, this new technology with this is what the part is going to look like. It's, yeah. It would be like us putting an injection molded part on an FDM machine print bed and saying that, you know, in yeah. 2022, <laughs> we're going to release an FDM technology that's so smooth off the printer looks like injection molding. Right. We're speculating that we could get there, but we're also creating this image in people's minds of they can do it already. And we just need to wait as consumers for them to release it to us. Yeah. It, uh, there's no one party to blame because stuff like that happens. You'll see post-processed parts sitting on a bed as if they were printed that way. Mm. And it really takes, uh, there's both the journalists and the people on the tech side are responsible for that. Like it's irresponsible reporting, but whoever is on the technical side that's allowing that to happen also bears a lot of responsibility. And it, it does happen. Well, there are big challenges in, uh, I would say, differences in goals of, say, a marketing team versus an engineering or design team. And yeah. a lot of times what gets put on that marketing campaign, engineering has little to do with what ends up there. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Engineers are more honest. <clears throat> Well, well, I don't know about that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I just wanted to make a hot take. Engineers and uh, non-engineers, I think you have good apples and bad apples on both sides. It's just engineers will use data in to their advantage, right? Like we, Which is this is this fantastic. is something this is something we've talked about actually this week, where you can use numbers and selectively present numbers and selectively not present numbers to promote ideas and claims that if you looked at the full data set or if you explored more data, maybe you wouldn't bear the same narrative. That happens. Yeah. And I guess that's where you separate the good apples from the bad ones, right? Like, a, and a more honest engineer is going to look at all the data, provide all the data. They're not going to exclude the um, the outliers or the ones that don't help them reach their goal. They'll try to explain it. So, yeah, yeah, there's definitely a difference in the two. So getting back to um, these 3D printed meats, there are some that are plant-based. Uh huh. So, all the ones that are fish so far that I've seen are plant based, and a lot of them are going at they're they're not three D printing sausage. They're not three D printing uh, processed meats. They are going squarely for the high dollar meats, which I think is an obvious place to start because that's where consumers are spending willing to spend the most money. Right. And you have a process, especially for startups, all of these companies are startups. You have a process that's going to cost a bunch of money. Yeah. And so your price per pound is going to be high. I mean, let's not 
pretend that these are not very highly processed, you know, foods in the first place, right? They are very highly processed, which incorporates or uh, adds cost. So in your base ingredients, whether you're going to print a cube of salmon or a cube of ground fish, I guess, a fish stick, your cost is going to be the same. <laughs> so it's all about perception, right? Someone's not going to pay $20 a pound for fish sticks, but they will for <laughs> sashimi. So you you form it into the shape of sashimi and call it a sashimi substitute instead of a fish stick substitute. I, I mean, like I said, you're, it's exactly what I'm saying. So let me, let me take a quote from an article that I was reading. This is... Aleph Farms. Okay. Aleph Farms is an Israel-based company, like many 3D printing companies, strangely. Yep. Uh, and they've grown the ribeye using 3D bioprinting technology and a culture of live animal tissue. So <clears throat> this is one of the companies that's creating the steak. They're growing the steak. Yeah, this is a little different. I would consider this lab-grown meat. Yeah, the meat-making process prints living cells that are incubated to grow, differentiate, and interact in order to produce the texture and qualities of a real steak. Now, where does the printing come into play? They print the cells. <coughs> I would imagine, so this is my understanding of bioprinting, they print the cellular structure into a shape using additives or what have you, like a... What's the gelatin they use in like petri dishes? So some something like that, mm -hmm. and then these cells eventually take on the shape that they were kind of laid down in. Yeah, my understanding is that they use uh, like fetal serums Ugh. because these cells can be trained to grow into whatever tissue you want, and they use printing to to create like a scaffold. Right. Of the shape. That's, thank you. Yeah, yeah. That's a good way to put it. Uh, I am less averse to lab-grown meat than I am plant-based meat alternatives. So you would eat one of these Aleph Farm steaks? Um, based on what you've told me so far, yes. Even if it looked like lasagna? I would close my eyes. But you'd try it. I would try it. If it's lab-grown... Yesterday, you took a hard stance and told me you would not do this. Now you've changed your mind. Well, Getting we're, we're talking about... No, we're talking about two separate things. A plant-based meat alternative versus lab-grown meat. Two different things. Plant-based meat alternatives, I'm not interested in. I think that they're very strange. They do not offer anywhere close to the macro or micronutrient profile of real meat. Well, that's things. what these companies are aiming to do is create you can't, that. Though. You can't. We don't even understand well enough to even approach. This is we this don't. is getting heavy. I mean, there are going to be a lot of people that are offended. I know. I hope not. But every day we are learning more about, for example, the gut microbiome, the bacteria in our gut and it, it, its association with our health and the microbiomes of the foods that we eat. A sterile steak is not going to, even if it was just a steak, take just a real steak, but sterilize it. 
that's not going to interact with our body in the same way as a non-sterilized piece of meat. So there are many, many, many levels to what makes meat or any food, the food that we, our bodies evolved eating and consuming. Now, if it's plant-based, you don't have anywhere close to the same micronutrients. And so if you're using it as a pure meat substitute, you're not going to get the same nutritional value out of it. Well, what if, you're ways, already, what if you're a vegan? <clears throat> what if you're already used to if, not having meat profiles in terms of nutrition? If you are a vegan, and this is just based on my research, if you are a vegan, you do have to supplement externally certain vitamins and minerals because they are missing from your diet. And uh, you have to make sure that you're supplementing in the correct way because supplements, if you take vitamin C, for example, there's many ways to get vitamin C and not all of them are bioavailable in the same way. So if you take a thousand milligrams of vitamin C in the form of folic acid or some other acid versus another one, it's not the same. Okay. <laughs> All right, Tyler, the nutritionist. I'm not a nutritionist. I'm just... Is this your explanation of why you would never consume a meat alternative? 3D yeah. printed or not? Yeah. So, for example, you take... Uh, Another example? No, no. Just... Okay. You're going you're gonna to kill this podcast. I, you take... Uh, <laughs> you, you take uh, impossible or beyond. Mm -hmm. Okay they contain canola oil. And canola oil is the fat in this. If you And if you say, okay, well, it's got six grams of fat versus four grams of fat, whatever, it's comparable. But the, the profile of that fat is totally different. So canola oil, canola oil the, is highly processed from things that are normally toxic to your body. And they're processed with chemicals that are neurotoxic. And then when it finally comes out, it's got way too many omega-6s and versus omega-3s. So it doesn't interact with your body in the same way that, all right, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> I can see your face. I'm done. But lab-grown meat- I just nodded off. Lab-grown meat does interest me. And if you print it, especially if we get to the point where it's a very high resolution print, like a, like a polyjet type print head. Yeah. In the same way that we're printing these digital anatomy parts and you're depositing voxels of materials side by side, if theoretically we could get to a point where we could replicate... Explain voxels to those of uh, the listeners who don't understand that. A voxel is a the 3D equivalent of a pixel. Gotcha. Perfect. Yes. No shorter explanation than that. I can appreciate that. Yeah. So uh, if... If you could somehow create a very accurate and like one for one. It's got to look like it. I don't care about the looks, to be honest. I only care about the nutrition. Now, you're talking a one for one. This has to be on the voxel level, the equivalent of a nutritional profile to a real steak. Otherwise, you're not going to eat it. <clears throat> I would not fully substitute my meat consumption. So I would maybe what if you don't have occasionally a choice? eat something. Like I said, this is the future. Think Terminator. I know. I don't think I'm going to live that long. I do think that that is the future. 
but we'll see. Why are you we'll laughing? See. I would actually like to. I would like to know if there is a full uh, sustainability study on something like lab-grown meat versus holistically farmed. Oh, I bet meat. there's there's tons. As I did my <laughs> research, this was actually one of my main points okay. of like the why yeah. behind 3D printed meats okay. or lab-grown meats, but specifically 3D printed meats. The idea is that it is more sustainable. Now, I don't know if these are just is it nice proven? marketing. Yeah, I haven't ridden, writ, ridden. I haven't read any peer-reviewed documents yet with any studies on sustainability, but it does make them, from what I've read, there are some good arguments, right? Like raising a steer or a beef cow takes a considerable, considerable amount of resources and dollars. True. So that's how we have such an accurate price per pound for beef because farmers know exactly what it costs to raise that beef in what amount of time, what that pound of beef costs. So when we have numbers like that, it's pretty easy, or you would think it would be pretty easy to do a cost comparison between, okay, now we have a target goal as a 3D printed meat company, yeah, and we need to produce a pound of beef for somewhere in the range of this price. Well, obviously this, if you target a higher end piece of meat, then your target I mean, is, is funny a little enough, easier to achieve. This does get into the discussion of where do you end the study? Like how deep into the effects of whatever path you're taking do you study, right? Because with- This is like the electric car argument. Yeah, totally. Because if you stop it at the plug in your house, it's the most, yeah. it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. Mm -hmm. But if you look beyond that, where's the electricity coming from, so on and so forth, you right. might find some more evidence that it's not quite as good as you thought. Right. Yeah. And uh, it's tough. The, you know, I think the reality is that no human, human existence is a drain on resources on the earth. Do you agree with that? Just human existence in general. Gosh, this is the guy who said he was going to be the optimist coming to work today. This is doom and gloom. The, just the reality is like there is no, whatever decision you make, there is going to be an ethical or moral argument to go the other direction. And it's all about reaching a point where you feel okay with your decisions. So I, we do have a known, like I appreciate beef, is a, beef is a commodity, right? You, you have a price, yeah. right? But f farmers don't care about the effects on rodents and birds and insects. That doesn't get priced into beef, right? And it doesn't get priced into plants either. But it has a monetary effect on the economy in the long run. I, I appreciate, this is what I'll say, that there are companies out there making attempts at alternatives. I agree with that. And I do think sustainability is an important topic for 3D printing um, in general and the future of 3D printing. 
like we we generate waste. A lot of our materials are uh, petrochemical derived. A lot of our materials, most of our materials are not compostable or biodegradable. So sustainability is an important topic for the future of 3D printing. And many people will just write it off and say, well, there's less waste compared to alternatives. But it's recyclable in alternatives like uh, machining. Yeah. Places recycle their chips. Yeah, there's a whole industry for recycling uh, those materials. So there's no right or wrong answer. There's just, I, I do appreciate that there's a movement, both in printing and what we're talking about here, the food. There is a movement for more sustainability. Yeah. Whether or not it's fully, uh, I guess, thought out from start to finish. Yeah. The most sustainable thing is probably to raise your own cow. Right. You know, like have, have a small half acre lot or two half acre lots where you let a beef cow roam year round and try not to get attached. Don't give it a name. And, uh, yeah. The end of every year there's a slaughter and you got a freezer full of meat and people just nowadays, the modern person doesn't have that type of land. Right. It's just not realistic, unfortunately, but it, and it proves the point that it, the, <laughs> the only way to be f- certain about uh, the where your food is coming from is to produce it yourself. Otherwise, you don't really know. This this topic really took a turn. I know. Man. I, it's I, marginally 3D printed related. Well, I didn't know that we were going to get so deep into... Uh, well, I, I guess this topic, the fact that people are passionate about it, yeah. passionate about it, one way or the other is probably why it's going to have some impact and investors and people who are interested in making it happen. I do think that there are ways that 3D printing can add value to the food industry. There are many ways that it can be distracting or just add unnecessary cost to the discussion. Yeah, but you brought up the fact that you want your meat to look like a piece of meat, 3D printing is really the, the way that that's going to happen. No, I said, I don't care what it looks like. You did? Yeah. I as said, long I as said, the, fl- I said the nu- profile of nutrition. Yeah, I don't so care don't what care, it looks like. You don't care if it's the lasagna? No. Ew. I will say, based <laughs> just on appearance, yeah. they, they all kind of look like meat once they're cooked. Yeah. It's, that it's does in the raw the form. They just <laughs> look so bad. Cooking does help it. Um, Imagine I mean, a steak that's like made of the ends of yarn. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, totally. That's what it looks it like. It does look like uh, red velvet yarn. Yeah. Um, I do think that if you are hitting the actual, you know, nutritional profile dead on, you probably would end up in a space where it just happens to look a lot like the real thing, but it's not necessary in my mind. It doesn't, if, if it came out in cubes or in the shape of dinosaurs, great. If it making it look like it just seems like an unnecessary burden. Dino nuggets. Nice. Tried and true. (laughs) Works every time. Don't eat many dino nuggets these days. The other thing we (laughs) haven't talked about and probably for good reason, but the animal rights aspect of things, like obviously we're not, great at having a balanced discussion on this because we both consume meat. Um, 
But I will say I've given a lot of thought into, you know, I grew up in kind of an agricultural town in Utah. And you see the trucks going up and down the canyon road in the spring and the fall. And they're the slaughter trucks. And it's just a semi. It's a Peterbilt full of uh, cows or pigs. And I just think, man, were we ever supposed to get to this point? Mm-hmm. Were we ever supposed to be to the point where these things are crammed in there and there's poop flying down the road and just like, and it makes me feel like I contribute to this. And I honestly have given thought to the raise my own cow thing. Cause I don't have, I don't think I have it in me to go full vegetarian. Yeah. But, uh, this gives, this has a good feel to it. Yeah. The average American eats twice as much protein than the rest of the first world. And it's usually in the form of animal products. So this is a way for us to be gluttonous without, potentially, without the same effects. Well, a lot of industry is revolved around maintaining an unsustainable lifestyle. So finding alternatives to human behaviors and human uh, things that humans or certain cultures have become accustomed to that are unsustainable. And this is probably one of those. Definitely. This was kind of a heavier episode than I thought it would be. (laughs) And hopefully we've generated some interest, though. Uh, We always encourage you to go look up these articles and things on your own when you get the chance. A lot of people probably listen to this while they're driving um, or after work. Yeah. If it piques your interest, there's a lot more to uh, to get into. On a somewhat related topic, sustainability and uh, trying to figure out how we're going to live uh, 50 years from now, and also 3D printing related. So we had Perseverance, the rover, mm-hmm. uh, land on Mars a while back, and there was a successful test this week that involved some 3D printed parts. So, really? Yeah. One of the experiments on I, I saw the drone. The Fly. drone. The drone worked, yeah. Uh, the helicopter? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So another ex- important experiment was could we convert carbon dioxide in the Mars atmosphere to oxygen? And the little box, the little experiment took in carbon dioxide, processed it into uh, carbon monoxide, separated out oxygen, measured it, et cetera. And it was using 3D printed heat exchangers as part of that hardware. Who made those? I searched, I couldn't find it. I did read that they were done at Caltech. And uh, I was looking at the build plate. I found some images of these, they're about palm-sized heat exchangers. They're made out of a nickel alloy, so my guess is some sort of inconel alloy, and uh, on a square build plate, but I couldn't find what machine. They were laser powder bed fusion parts. So, I don't know, take your pick as to what could be, what they could have been. EOS, SLM, Renishaw, GE, one of those four probably. I think... That actually brings up some thoughts of mine. We need to have a metal episode 
Like the down-to-earth metal episode. Yeah. Coming back from Mars. <laughs> Bring it back to Earth. Just a discussion on the interest that the metal additive generates, but who it's really, really good for. Yeah. Who who it makes sense for right now. Well, that's a that's a key application right there. What I would call astrospace applications. Did you just make that up. No, sounds nice. It does sound nice. I didn't. I didn't make it up. I was watching uh, the Imagineers. Oh no, this was the right stuff. The right stuff on the Disney Plus, and uh, they were. It's the story of the uh, Apollo. No, the Mercury Apollo, Mercury or Apollo astronauts. Anyway, they they coined the term aerospace at that point. No, they didn't. Astronaut. They coined the term astronaut at that point. And it's just one of those terms that we grew up with. We knew, and for us, it always existed. But at some point, that was not in the vocabulary. Astronaut. And when you think about it, it's a very cool term, right? Yeah. You're a nerd. Astronaut. It is. It is a cool It is A cool. Uh, According term. to the show, it was Time Magazine who coined it. And it's a market, marketing team. Oh, yeah. These marketing teams... Every once in a while, uh, there to more broad adoption of metal additive in these spaces. That, so maybe uh, we talk about that. Yeah, many of the OEMs are are trying to tackle that. And uh, not right now, Tyler. Well, save in, some goods. I do want to say that <laughs> he's getting there, mad at me now. <laughs> there is one hot spot popping up for this industry, Colorado. Well, a lot of startup aerospace companies popping up in Colorado. Why? I don't know exactly why. I need to look into that. And if someone has some insights as to why Colorado, I'd be curious. Uh, but it's just a trend that I'm seeing. It's a very distinct trend that I'm seeing. All right. Well, uh, I want to bring up one bit of news in five days from now. So we may have a post- podcast out, a later podcast before then, later, I don't know what I'm talking about. We may have a podcast out before then, but mm-hmm. if we don't, five days from now, Stratasys is unveiling three new platforms, uh, all of which are new technology-wise to the Stratasys Polymer lineup. Three new products. Is that the way to put it? I would say products. Okay. Three new products. Uh, bring, I would say, bring a, a some excitement to that. Be antis- anticipating some, I think, some pretty cool technologies. They'll be here on the twenty eighth for the public, and I think you can catch that on LinkedIn, Facebook. Yeah, uh, we should have a post up. With I'm looking links. forward to it, uh, and it means that we're getting new machines in our new lab. And we know what they are. We just can't tell anyone yet. <laughs> it's good stuff, though. Yeah, I'm excited about it. In fact, I've had a, so many conversations lately. So once you know about it, you're like, oh, man, these applications. When in customer meetings, you're like, we have yeah. something coming. Yeah. You want to just tell people, like, for your application, we have a technology that's so <laughs> perfect. But you can't say anything because it hasn't officially been announced. So yeah. as of the 28th, I'm excited because hopefully we can retroactively 
reach out to those customers about their applications. But hopefully somebody listening here sees something they like about it. And uh, I'm excited for these to come to market. Like you said, we're going to get our hands on some. And we'll be able to tell you firsthand what we think. Adding new technologies to the portfolio is great because it opens up the door to more applications or being able to more effectively tackle certain applications. It just gives you a much broader range of capabilities because the reality is there's no one printing technology that is the best. It doesn't exist. They're the best at certain things. They all have different material capabilities, uh, feature size capabilities, surface finish capabilities, porosity capabilities, strength, heat, conductivity, toughness, size, and uh, it you really need a whole arsenal of technologies to be, if, if one organization to be the best organization or the most capable organization needs many different technologies. Yeah, and one thing you said there was it opens up a broader range of capability. Every technology fits in a small window of that range. Yeah. So just there, there isn't a one machine that does everything well. And I don't think, and for, for good reason, I don't think any company comes out and says like our printer can do every application. I don't think I've seen that. Which is great. Yeah. And tomorrow it could happen. (laughs) It would not surprise me. But for every application, there is a good, better, best. Yeah. There's usually some overlap in those little windows. We try to aim for the middle. Yeah, true. Looking forward to it. All right. Well, uh, this is where, this is the episode we probably lose half the, half the audience. (laughs) I'm sorry. It's okay. If if we did, but. Don't hate us. We're people. (laughs) (laughs) We're doing our best. It was a good episode. It's an interesting topic, and uh, I, I think maybe we revisit this a year from now because it's going to be one of those topics that's just evolving constantly. Yeah. Well, all these are. True. So so we'll never run out of things to talk about. Good show today. Better show tomorrow. Next week. All right. Take care. See you later. <laughs>